So what you've seen in that early slide is, is not false. So today we are going to go through nine chapters of the book of Joshua, which is going to be incredible. Now, the book of Joshua, it is divided into three different movements. The first movement is the people of God entering the promised land. The second movement is the people of God conquering the promised land. Uh, we see that uh, in their battle with uh, Jericho, with Ai, and against all these different kings that God faithfully leads his people through his leader, Joshua, and they get to conquer the promised land. And the last section, the remainder of the book, is all about dividing the land. God is giving the land to the different tribes of Israel. Now, for us living in the 21st century, uh, these chapters seem boring. They, they are uninteresting. Uh, there are a bunch of names and places that you really can't pronounce. I mean, you have no idea if I pronounce them correctly or not, right? Sometimes I, I don't even know. Um, and you have no idea where these places are, especially if you see a map of Israel. It's hard for you to locate these places. And so if you're reading through a book like Joshua, especially in your personal time with the Lord, through a Bible plan, when you come to chapters like this, you would either skim through these chapters or, if anything, you would skip uh, this section in whole. Right? It just seems like it's a bunch of names. It seems exhausting to just read these names that, that are so um, uninteresting. However, for the people who are living in this moment, for the people who are following Joshua at this moment, this is incredibly exhilarating for them. This is the moment that they've been waiting for. We know going all the way back to Genesis 15 that God promised a moment where he would make the descendants of Abraham great, that he would bring them into this promised land. And for centuries, Israel has waited for this moment. For 400 plus years, they lived in slavery in Egypt. For 40 years, they lived in uncertainty and in insecurity in the wilderness. For seven plus years, they fought bloody battles. Um, they they got, went against all these different kings in the land of Canaan. And now, as they are following God's man, Joshua, as they are following God's word in obedience, as they are following God's plan and his process, doing things not their way, but God's way, we see that there comes a moment in Joshua chapter 13 where finally they get to inherit the land. The Bible tells us that finally God tells Joshua to divide the land up and give it to the people of God. So Joshua, he gathers all the people together, all the tribes, the clans, and he begins to, to, to give all this land. And this is a massive amount of land. We're not just talking about a building. We're not just talking about a house. But we're talking about a massive area of land that each person is, is getting, each tribe and each clan is receiving. And just picture this. For 400 plus years, you've been homeless. You've been wandering in tents. You don't have a single property in your name. It's not that you don't have a single property in your name. Your parents never owned a, a specific property. Your grandparents never had a place where they called home. And finally, there comes a moment when all of a sudden God says, now you can have this land. Th this is a big deal to the people of God. And there's so much that we can talk about in, in these nine chapters, but there's really one simple word that is driving the narrative. This is the key word that unlocks the truth in these nine chapters. Um, from chapter 1 to 12, this word was only used once. 
from chapter 13 all the way to the end of the book of Joshua, this word is used 56 times. So that, that's a lot. And, and the book of Joshua, more than any other book, uses this word. Um, it's the word inheritance. Inheritance. Um, more than any other book, you see the word inheritance appear throughout the book of Joshua. And here's why this matters. This word is so significant because when you go to the New Testament, when you see what Jesus says and what the people of God says in the New Testament, we see that the same promise is given to those who follow Christ, those who follow God's man, the greater Joshua, Jesus, those who follow God's word, those who follow God's process and trust in his plan, the Bible says there is a great inheritance for them. And that means you and I have access to this great inheritance. Isn't that great? I mean, how many of you have an inheritance right now? Maybe uh, they say that about uh, 60 plus percent of millennials, they, they expect their parents to give them some sort of inheritance. Only about 40% actually receive something. Uh, and so uh, a lot of times we get disappointed. But what inheritance is basically is, is, is your parents work hard throughout their life to, to build a wealth. They have some property, and, um, and they basically give that to you. And, and, and a lot of us, you know, living in America, we know that, okay, we shouldn't expect a whole lot from our parents, that we live in a way that we have enough wealth that we are in a system where we can build to some degree some sort of security. We can plan for our retirement, right? And so we don't necessarily have to depend on this idea of inheritance. But if you think about the Old Testament people, they don't have a mutual fund. They don't have a retirement plan. Their, their retirement plan is this inheritance. They faithfully follow their father. They, they faithfully stay in the household. And what they get at the end is this inheritance. And that inheritance secures their family. And so you see that this inheritance, this idea is so important in the Old Testament. But when you come to the New Testament, Ephesians 1.11 says, In him, Jesus, we believers have obtained an inheritance. In Hebrews 9.15, it says, Therefore, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So the main idea of today's text and today's sermon is this. In Christ, we have an inheritance that is great and glorious. In Christ, we have an inheritance that is great and glorious. I'm telling you right now, if you believe in Jesus, if you are a follower of Christ, then you have security for your future, that there's something that's in store for you in Christ. But we're also going to see that it's not just for the future, but it's also for the present. So I just want to highlight three things from our text today, the three truths that we see from chapters 13 all the way to chapter 21. The first truth is this. Our inheritance is a gracious gift from a faithful God. Our inheritance is a gracious gift from a faithful God. If you look at chapter 13, verse 1, it says this. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. Now we have 
no idea how, exact, how, how old Joshua exactly is, but based on chapter 14, we know that Joshua, you know, he was one of the spies that were sent into the promised land at an early age, and another person was Caleb. And in Joshua chapter 14, we see that Caleb is about 85 years old. So a lot of scholars are thinking Joshua is at least in his 80s. So he is old, he is advanced in age, and just in case you missed that, the Lord tells Joshua, man, you are old. You are old and advanced in years, but there it remains yet a very much land to possess. In other words, there's still areas of the land where there are people from other nations. Now, we know from the previous chapters that all the kings have been defeated, that there's only one king that remains in this land, and that is God himself. But we are also told that there are pockets of land that are inhabited not by the Israelites, but other people. And so what God tells the Israelites to do is, although the enemy is basically defeated, I want you to go all the way and drive them out from the land. As you are kind of uh, giving this land to the people, make sure that they drive the people out from the land. So we see that in verse 6, although there are people who are remaining, I myself, God says, will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. So the idea is this. Although there are people remaining, I, the Lord God, I'm going to drive them out. In other words, I'm going to give you this land, and therefore, you can go ahead and divide it up right now, that you can receive it. I'm going to decide who gets what right now. Because this land is basically yours. That, that's what he's saying. And at the end of all these, these nine chapters, after a bunch of names and a bunch of places that, that are hard to pronounce and hard to locate, this is how the Bible kind of concludes this section. If you turn to Joshua 21, verse 43 to 45, some of the most glorious verses in the book of Joshua, it says this. Thus, concluding this whole section after saying, this is your inheritance, this is your inheritance. Joshua 21, verse 43, Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them the rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. And the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had, fade, had failed. All came to pass. So here we see that God is faithful, that he, he remembers his promises, and he fulfills his promises. God's plans, it is good, and it says that not a single plan fails. Everything came to pass. Things happen exactly as God planned it to be, but also we see how gracious God is, because over and over again it says God gave the Israelites the land. They didn't earn it. They didn't purchase this land. God is making sure that the people know that this was a gracious gift that was given to them by a faithful God, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land that is, is, is so rich that it's producing all these different fruits. God says, I graciously give this to you. But it's not just that the Israelites, they receive a piece of land. It's the life that they get to live in this land that is really their inheritance. In Joshua 18, verse 1, it says this, Then the whole congregation of Israel, the people, they assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting, the tabernacle there. The land lay subdued before them. This is such an important verse 
because we see two things here. In the land that is divided, in the land that was given to all the different clans and the tribes of Israel, we see at the center of that there is the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. Meaning, it's not that God is just giving them this piece of land, but he's giving them his very own presence. It's, it's not just a place that God is giving them, but God is promising them his presence. He's saying that this is a land that is full of my presence. It's not just a place. It's a person that we receive in our inheritance. The second thing that we see is this. It says, the land lay subdued before them, before the Israelites. And, and for us, this doesn't really ring a bell, but for any Israelite, any Jew, they would go back to Genesis 1.28 when God said, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, man and woman, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. That was the first command that was given to the people of God, Adam and Eve, and have dominion over the fish of the seas and over the birds and the heavens and over the living, every living thing that moves on the earth. In other words, God says here, when he says the land was subdued uh, by the people of Israel, what this is pointing to is the fact that now Israel, the people of God, can live life as it was meant to be, can live life as if it was meant to be back in the garden where there's a place that is full of God's presence, his provision, his protection. And the people of God are at, at peace with God. And, and this is really, really almost a reset button. God is saying this is a new beginning. This is a new start. It's not just that you get a piece of land and you get to live however you want to live. But now you can actually live life as it was meant to be. You can live life to its fullest potential. Enjoying my presence. Enjoying my protection. My provision. All of that is yours. So we see that our inheritance not only is a gracious gift that's given from a faithful God, our inheritance is a gracious gift that allows us to live a holy life before God. Our inheritance is a gracious gift that allows us to live a holy life before God. Notice that this, this specific piece of land, it demands a specific lifestyle. Now, when you write a will, there's two things that you need to make sure uh, you write down. And I looked this up on Google. Um, <laughs> it, it says, first of all, you'd have to mark very clearly who's, who's, who's going to benefit from this will, who's going to receive this, right? Write their full name. Um, if you have a minor, make sure you write their um, guardian. Um, if you want to give your stuff to your dog, don't write the name of the dog, but write the person who's going to take care of the dog. That's just legally, that's what you need to do, okay? And so there are things that you need to take care of to make sure that, okay, these people are going to benefit from whatever I'm, I'm leaving, the beneficiaries. But the second thing that you can write down is how you want the money to be used or the resources to be used. For example, my dad, I'm not saying he, he did this, but my dad could say, well, I, I built some wealth throughout my life, and so I want to give my grandchildren each 200K. That, that's going to be their inheritance from me. But I want them to use that money for their college funds. I want them to get an education. Now, uh, if he said that, I can't take that money and, and, and go have a party. I can't take that money and go on a vacation or start a new business or, or buy a new car for the family. No. Yes, it was clearly stated that my children will receive the inheritance, but at the same time, there is a conditional clause saying that I want this money to be used in such a way. 
And you see that quite often in, in wills. Uh, yesterday, I was having a discussion with our youth uh, small group leaders, and, and we were sharing, okay, what would you write down in your will, and, and how would you divide uh, up your, your, your possessions if you happen to ha- write a will? Like, would you give it to your children, your, your, your wife? And a lot of them actually said, I'll give it to my children only if they deserve it, right? Only if I know they're going to be faithful with the finances, if not, I'll probably put a conditional clause saying that you can only access this money under certain conditions if you're faithfully following the Lord or after this point in time, like maybe when you hit 30 or 35 or after you kind of have a, a grasp of what m- money's all about. If not, you know, they're going to be spoiled. And so even before I discuss this passage, people are saying there's a condition in a will. When God says, I give you an inheritance, you have to understand it comes with a condition. We saw this in, in, in Leviticus chapter 20 where, where God says, okay, this land I give to you, but there's one thing that you have to do. You have to drive out all the, the nations that are in that land, not because, you know, you know I'm a mean, cold, cold-hearted God, but because those people are doing what's evil in my sight. Those people are defiling my name. They are practicing things that are, are unholy and unrighteous. They are sacrificing their own children to these foreign gods. They are living life of uh, in, in sexual immorality and, and all those different things. And God says, don't be like that. He says in Leviticus 20, 26, you shall be holy to me for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the people that you should be mine. So when God says you can have this land, there's Conditional clause. He's saying, I'm giving you this land so that you can live a life that's wholly set apart for my name. That's the condition of the will. And a lot of us miss this condition. The reason why a lot of us don't experience the blessings of God in our life, although God has granted this incredible inheritance to us in Jesus Christ, is because we don't recognize that the purpose of our inheritance is not so that we can just live a comfortable, easy life. The purpose of our inheritance is so that we can live a life that aligns with God's will. That's the purpose of, of our inheritance. So our inheritance is a gracious gift that is given to us by a faithful God. It's also a gift that allows us to live a holy life before the Lord. And number three, our inheritance is, gracious, is a gracious gift that we must seize. We must seize this inheritance. Now, it's one thing for someone to write something down on a will and say, I want to designate this portion of my property to this person. It's another thing for you to go claim it, that you actually need to say, here's my ID, here's, here, here, here's, here's the will, I want to go claim what belongs to me. You have to move and act, and that's exactly what's happening in Joshua 13 to 21. God says, there's this inheritance that I give to you at the same time. You need to go into the land and claim it. You need to drive out all the people in the land. It requires faithfulness. It requires hard work. You have to go in. You might have to win some battles. But at the end of the day, I'm going to empower you to be victorious. So don't worry, but walk in obedience. That's what God says. And you might think that was an easy thing to do. But we are told over and over again in these sections that, that there are some tribes that fail to do so. We are told in Joshua 15, the tribe of Judah could not drive out the Jebusites. Joshua 16, we're we're told that Ephraim, the tribe that comes from one of the sons of of Jacob, um, they couldn't drive out the Canaanites in their land. Instead, they forced them into labor. We also see Manasseh did the same thing. So we see all these different tribes who failed to seize the promises of God. They were granted this inheritance 
But what they decided to do is, for whatever reason, maybe they, was, they were just complacent. Maybe they thought it was hard work. They were too lazy, possibly. Whatever it was, maybe they were driven by fear. Whatever it was, they failed to seize the inheritance that belonged to them. And we see the, the aftermath of that in the coming chapters where you, you see there are people in this holy land that are practicing unholy things and and that sinfulness, it, it contaminates the entire nation of Israel and it brings Israel down, basically. So we see that God graciously gives us this inheritance as a gift, but we have to seize this inheritance in obedience and in faith. We need to follow Jesus to the end. Now remember, in the beginning I said these nine chapters, it, it means something for us because we have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. That's what the New Testament says. And just to be clear, the word inheritance, it means that you receive something not based on your works, but it's based on a relationship that you have. Salvation is a gift that is given to you. And with salvation, you are given so many different things. And some people wonder, man, I have no idea how God can be so gracious to me, how I can receive all these blessings. I mean, God's promises are too good to be true. That, that's absolutely right. But when you are someone's son or daughter, you don't calculate all of that. You don't ca count, okay, am I worthy to receive this from my father? Did I do enough good things to receive this from my father or mother? No, you don't, you don't go down that route. You don't calculate all that. You simply say, no, I have the right to receive all this. Why? It's not based on a work. It's not based on what I did or accomplished. It's really based on a relationship that I have with my father or mother. And that's the only reason why I receive an inheritance. The first beneficiary, if you don't write a will, it's going to be your spouse. The next is going to be children. And then, and there's a long list of how, you know, that's all determined. But you see that inheritance is given to someone based on a relationship. In the same way, the reason why God uses the word inheritance is because the gift of salvation and all that comes with it is not given to us based on our works. If it's given to us as a merit as a sign of grace. It's something that is given to us because we have a relationship with God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says this, but to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So the Bible tells us that Anyone who believes in Jesus is called children of God. Did you know that in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Exodus, that constantly God calls Israel, his people, his children, and even his son? In, in Exodus 4.22, that's the first place that God tells Israel, you are my son, and therefore Pharaoh has nothing against you. God establishes this relationship with his people that, that they are his son. And what happens when you believe in Jesus is the Bible tells us that you are adopted into the divine family. And it's not that you just have a simple place in the divine family, but you get to share in the riches of God's family. And so you have this incredible inheritance in Christ. Now, there's something that you might question. Then when do we receive this inheritance, right? When do we get to enjoy the fullness of what God promises in, in, in the Bible? Well, in one sense, there will be a day when God returns. Jesus himself is going to come back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we're told in, in the book of Revelation. 
And he's going to bring a new kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And he's going to establish his reign, a place. He's going to give a place to his people. And in that place, if you read the description, it's really a place that's just simply full of God's presence. The description that we have is the whole place is going to be a tabernacle, the holy of holies, a place where there, there is just only God and his goodness. And on all of him, we get to enjoy all of that. So in one sense, this inheritance is something that we receive in the future. But in another sense, this is something that we have access to right now. And here's why. Inheritance is, is when you receive someone else's work, his, someone else's life work, when they die. When someone writes a will and, and, and they end up dying, that's when that will comes into effect and you receive an inheritance. Did you know that we, when Jesus, before he went to the cross, that he made it very clear that the reason why he's going to the cross is not for his own, but it's to save people. It, it's to restore people. It's to reconcile sinful people to a holy God. And he writes a will and he says, through my death, what I want to do is I want whoever believes in me, I want them to have all of mine. Isn't that the gospel? This idea of inheritance. What the Bible tells us is this. We have nothing in our possession in this world. Everything that we have in this world is temporary. It's fading away. It's just for a second. Nothing is eternal. We're also told in Ephesians 2 that we are sons of disobedience, that, that we are dead, we are doomed in our trespasses and in our sins, and we are really destined to die. But for whatever crazy reason, Jesus writes a will as the first born the only son of god who deserves all the blessings he has everything in his possession and what he says is this when i die i want anyone who believes in me to have all that i have all the life that i have i want people to enjoy that eternal life all the joy that i have i want whoever believes in me i want them to have that joy as well my peace i give my peace to them my power i give my power to 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 the children of god my patience my forgiveness my generosity my holiness my character everything that that's in me i give to the people of god why because that's my will i pay the price i do the work and as a result of my holy work i want people to receive this incredible gift of inheritance. And so in one sense, yes, inheritance is an idea that's futuristic. In another sense, it's something that's present because Jesus already died. In other words, that inheritance is at effect, that you can draw out the blessings of God in a way that's tangible for your life, that's real for your life. We are told in Ephesians 1 verse 3 that blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, this is not just something that's a futuristic thing. This is something that's present. God bless us with all the spiritual blessings in Christ. And so we we see that although God grants us this incredible inheritance, we have to go and and seize these, these promises in God. That we have access to the forgiveness, to the love, the grace, and the mercy that's available to us in Jesus Christ. And so how can we apply this truth in our lives? Number one, this passage reminds us that the best is yet to come, at least for believers. The best is yet to come. There were some hard-fought battles in the book of Joshua. In the same way, there are some hard-fought battles in our life today. 
that we are surrounded by evil, and there's, there's evil inside of us, too, in our hearts, and constantly every day it feels like it's a war. Our marriage feels like it's a war. Parenting feels like it's a war. It feels like a war in our workplace, and it's chaos all around us, but what the book of Joshua reminds us today is this, that our best life is not now. It's yet to come, and that is good news, that we can have hope. We can still walk faithfully, believing that God, that he's going to keep his promises so that we can be hopeful at the same time. We can be faithful. We can say, God, because you gave this land, this, this life to us as an inheritance in Christ Jesus, we, 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 we depend on you. We follow you. Every single day we draw these blessings from you so that we can live for your glory, so that we can fulfill your will for the name of, 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 of our Lord Jesus Christ and for, for the spread of the gospel, that, that's our goal. And so knowing that you have this incredible inheritance, faithfully walk with the Lord. Now, for some of you, you might say, I'm okay. I have enough money in my bank. I have, I have my family. I, I have a house under my name. Well, the Bible tells us that Really, this world is, is, is fading away. And, and even if you have all those different things, constantly you feel empty, constantly life throws curves balls at you, you can try so hard in your power to build a fortress for your name, to live a life that's, that's, that's pleasing to yourself. But at the end of the day, what we're reminded constantly in the chaos of this world, in the chaos of life is this, that we're not yet home. But God has prepared us a home. And he's given us this incredible inheritance. So believe in him, trust in the work of Christ today, and follow him in faith. Let's pray.